What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Have you ever been in shock? Like, legitimate shock? The kind of mental situation where all of a sudden your body just doesn't respond your brain doesn't know what to do the circumstances of what just happened to you overwhelm you and for a moment you might just sit there not responding it could be the most dire situation and still you would not respond This happens in our real world during events like car wrecks. Somebody is hurt and they're they're in shock from the situation due to pain and an overwhelming emotional state or, or, or something like that. And you see it in movies and things like the the car engine is on fire and the person needs to move, but they just won't react they otherwise would be capable of moving and reacting, but they don't. Now, there's a medical definition of shock, and I'm not a doctor. I'm sure some of you might be, uh, where it's defined as a state where cellular or tissue hypoxia happens due to either a reduction in oxygen delivery or increased oxygen consumption, inadequate oxygen utilization, or a combination of these processes. At least that's what I read on the internet and you can see how in a situation like a car wreck that could be the case you could be injured and not able to actually breathe correctly or be breathing fumes but not getting enough oxygen any of those kinds of things what Turin is going through here is more of a state of emotional shock and you may have experienced this as well he's not particularly 
physically injured. I mean, he's been tortured and driven by the uh, whips of the orcs. But this is a situation where he responds because of something he did that he would never, ever dream of doing on purpose. Before him lies the dead body of Belig Strongbow, his dearest friend who he accidentally murdered. And this isn't the first time this has happened to Turin. Turin accidentally murdered someone else before, although that situation was quite different. But here he is again looking at the death of somebody that he caused. And this time, it's Belig. And Belig is probably the person he loved more than anyone else in this world. The person who always came back for him, always rooted for him, always was there in order to help him or, or returned when he needed him. And in this situation, Belig was the one who risked his life in order to try to steal him away from the orcs that had captured him. And here he was dead. The text says, But now in the dell beneath the orcs were aroused, and the camp was in full tumult. For they feared the thunder that came out of the west, believing that it was sent against them by the enemies beyond the sea. Then a wind arose, and great rains fell, and torrents swept down from the heights of Tarnufuin. And though Gwyndor cried out to Turin, warning him of their utmost peril, he made no answer, but sat unmoving and unweeping in the tempest beside the body of Belig Huthalion. So a strange thing happens here. We're told that the orcs are worried about the thunder and the storm, as if it's being sent by Manway himself, even though Manway isn't mentioned here. But they, they say the lords across the sea. That's what they mean, the Valar. And we have a situation where Turin is unmoving. He's unreacting, and Gwyndor can't do anything to get him to move. They're sitting up on this hill overlooking the encampment of the orcs. And they stay there for the rest of the night. Gwyndor can't move Turin. So it, we're not given a whole lot of details about what happens between that moment of the tempest rising and them just sitting out here in the darkness. But we are told what happens next. When morning came, the storm was passed away eastward over Lothlin, and the sun of autumn rose hot and bright, and believing that Turin would have fled far away from that place, and all trace of his flight be washed away, the orcs departed in haste without longer search. And far off Gwyndor saw them marching away over the steaming lands of Anfogleth. Thus it came to pass that they returned to Morgoth empty-handed, and left behind them the son of Hurin, who sat crazed and unwitting on the slopes of Tarnufuin, bearing a burden heavier than their bonds. 
They give up. They don't know where he is. They're not able to figure out where he went. And they, they set kind of the, the image here is that they, they kind of sit there huddled throughout the night because of the storm. And then day comes and they decide to move on, which is interesting because orcs don't usually move by day, but somehow they must have covered themselves in order to walk by day. It's not detailed here. We don't get those details because the focus of this part of the story is Turin and his bondage to whatever feelings he's feeling in this moment. And he won't talk. He won't respond. And Gwyndor doesn't know what to do. Now, before we go on with the story, just real quick, wanna, uh, I want to point out that this is one of two moments where even though the Valar do not show up themselves, something is referencing them and something positive happens because of it. This storm, the wind, the thunder referencing Manway and creating a situation where the orcs are afraid. And so they decide to move on without looking nearby to see if Turin is just happens to be right there. And this is fairly strongly, at least in, in these types of works where the Valar don't actually show up themselves. It's fairly strongly implied. We're going to have another moment like this coming up later in the episode. So keep, keep your ears perked for that. The next thing we know Gwyndor attempts to rouse Turin again, and he finally does, but he walks like somebody in sleep, as if he's sleepwalking, and they know they have to bury Belig. His body has been laying out throughout the night, so they create a shallow grave. They dig what they can with the tools and the things that they have nearby, which is not a whole lot of anything, and then they have to decide what to do with his items, and we get kind of a... Dungeons and Dragons magic items moment here. That's what these kinds of moments feel like to me. And and it's obviously this is like looking backwards through time because this would have been one of those moments that informed role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and the fun and adventure of finding a special weapon or having a special weapon. So we get again the names of Belig's weapons. They place beside him Belthronding. His great bow, which was made of black yew wood, and the dread sword Anglicel, which Gwyndor took, saying that it was better if it would take vengeance on the servants of Morgoth than lie useless in the earth. And he also takes the lembus that Belig still had on him in order to strengthen them in the wild. He knows that they're going to need this. And then we're given. A little passage about Belig. Thus ended Belig's strongbow, truest of friends, greatest in skill of all that harbored in the woods of Beleriand in the Elder Days. That's high praise. That is very high praise. And But we've seen it for ourselves. At the hand of him whom he most loved. We know definitively here, Belig most loved Turin. He loved him, and probably in a Frodo and Sam kind of way. This is one of those moments where we have a sort of proto-Frodo, Fro, proto wow, that's funny, proto-Frodo and Sam moment. This 
this love of this brotherly love and 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 it is love with a capital l this is a feeling that you have it's not romantic love it's not like they were going to get married and live the rest of their days together but it is a a love a companionship that can happen between two people who just find that they are there for each other they can trust each other they can be with each other they need each other and we don't talk about this a lot in our modern Western society. But Tolkien understood this. We're also told here that the grief was graven on the face of Turin and never faded. I think Tolkien also understood the weight of the pains that we carry, although they don't hurt as much as time goes by. We still carry them. They stay with us. And you could see this on Turin's face. It never went away. So Gwyndor decides to help Turin out. And it's interesting because we have kind of this beginning of an arc, maybe. We won't spoil the end. Of Gwyndor doing things that might bring a form of redemption. We know that he was the one responsible for throwing the troops into battle too quickly. And here he is with Turin, a man that he doesn't know, brought to Turin by Belig, an elf that he did know and trusted. And Gwyndor does the right thing. He stays with Turin here, and they travel together. This passage is interesting because it focuses on Gwyndor. It says, But courage and strength were renewed in the elf of Nargothrond, and departing from Tarnufuin, he led Turin far away. Never once as they wandered together on long and grievous paths did Turin speak. So let's pause that there. They're traveling a long way. This is days. We're not given a specific time frame, but we're given roughly locations. They're heading towards Nargothrond. We know that. That's where Gwyndor wants to go back to. That's his home and a safe place that he could take Turin. So that would make sense. But during this entire traveling, the days and days of traveling through the wilderness, Turin does not speak. It goes on. And he walked as one without wish or purpose. You've probably noticed this pattern already in Turin's story. Turin is motivated, does what could be wonderful things, and then something bad happens. It's like the curse hits him when he's, when he's at his best. And then he drops and descends into a depressive state, potentially, you could call it. Although it's not said that in the books. And then he's brought back out of that and does good things again. And then something else hits him and he drops and descends into this depressive state. And each time it almost seems like it's worse. We have one moment where he heads off into the wild to just be with the wild men because he doesn't believe he belongs with the elves. But in this moment, it's like he's a thrall. He's walking around without any purpose, without any wish. And then we know that time really has passed here because we get this statement. While the year waned and winter drew on over the northern lands. 
It's getting late in the year. It's getting more difficult to live in the wild because of the cold. But Gwyndor was ever beside him to guard him and guide him. And thus they passed westward over Syrian and came at length to Ithel Ivrin, the springs whence Narog rose beneath the mountains of shadow. This is an interesting location. Ithel Ivrin. It doesn't come up very often, but we do know that the rivers in this location were overseen by Olmo, the valor of the waters, and that he still visited them. He was still there. The waters themselves were clean and refreshing because it was a spring. This is where the water came up nice and cold from the earth. We also know that there was a waterfall here as well. The picture we're painted when you look into this is that of kind of a holy place. And maybe the kind of place that Turin needed to be at in order to be himself again. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Welcome to the middle of the show. This is where I get to thank all the wonderful patrons. You guys are the best. I <laughs> really do appreciate it. And let's go through the list. We have some new patrons to, to welcome to the Patreon this week. Stephen S. Lauren C. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. <laughs> Jake L. And Lindsay P. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for joining us. I hope you are enjoying your bonus episodes. There's a bunch of them now and uh, the ad free episodes and all of that stuff. We have a bunch of VIP patrons to shout out as well. We have, let's see, we'll start at the top of the list. Bo, Brad S, Brandy D, Chewbacca, David M, Esoteric Rage, Goblin, Jesse P, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sam B, Shannon Lee, and Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you to all of you. You guys are absolutely the best. I couldn't do this without you. All 170 of our patrons. Thank you so very much. And I hope you, I genuinely hope you're enjoying the bonus episodes and we'll be getting to one of those later on. So stay tuned for that. If you are one of the patrons also, 
We've got some new ratings and reviews to read out. Just two this week. Uh, the first one, it says, Keith, uh, this one's from Keith00112 in the U.S. who writes, worth your time, five stars. Short and sweet. It says, outstanding resource, as stated, this is worth your time. At the very least, it was certainly worth my time. <laughs> Matter of fact, Keith, thank you so much. Then we have one from Jubblebath. Jubblebath. It's like a bubble bath with a J in front from the United States who writes, a uh, clap maze clap ing There's a little clap emojis in the middle there uh five stars i literally cannot say enough positive things about this podcast i'm not the world's biggest stickler or snob on lore when it comes to the lord of the rings and tolkien but i did grow up and i love to nerd out on it my dad introduced me to the lord of the rings trilogy when i was in middle school right around the time the movies came out i was instantly obsessed he gave me all his books including the tolkien bestiary or bestiary it's pronounced bestiary but it's about beasts so that's always pronunciation is not my strong suit. I think you guys probably know this uh, best year. This is funny because I got my dad's Tolkien books also around middle school age and included in it was the Tolkien bestiary. And I absolutely love that book. That was awesome. Uh, and a copy of the Silmarillion. I was always fascinated by the lore, but struggled to grasp the language in the Silmarillion. This podcast breaks everything down in such a friendly, digestible way, but doesn't compromise on the complexity and accuracy of the lore. I love it. You'll love it. Listen to it. Just do it. It's amazing. <laughs> Jevilbath, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who takes the time to share this show with your friends or leave a rating and review. If you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it out on a future episode of the show. Also, rating it on Spotify or whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on is a great way to help the show grow and really does help me out. So I, I very much appreciate that. And heck, even if you don't do any of this, that stuff and you're just listening to the show, thank you so much for being here. This is, I mean, it's free. It's a free podcast. You can enjoy it however you want. So thanks for being a part of this. All right. That's it for the middle of the show. Let's get back to the rest of the story. So we see the use of water a lot in Tolkien's works. You'll notice that some of the locations that the elves live have rivers around them or rivers that run through them or underground water that's there. It's not just a coincidence that Rivendell has a river that runs next to it. And then that was very beneficial when trying to get rid of the ring wraiths who were chasing uh, Frodo once he was wounded. You like, remember all that stuff that's all of that is intentional water is important water represents healing and cleaning and a renewal and wakefulness also think about it when you want to wake up in the morning you splash water on your face there's a lot going on there with water so let's let's talk about this scene where gwindor has now brought turin to this spring that we know is associated with Ulmo. It says there Gwyndor spoke to Turin saying, awake, knows the word awake, Turin, son of Hurin Thalion. And notice he mentions the lineage here. He brings Hurin's name up as well. On 
Ivrin's lake is endless laughter. She is fed from crystal fountains, unfailing and guarded from defilement by Ulmo, Lord of the Waters, who wrought her beauty in ancient days. Then Turin knelt and drank from the water, and suddenly he cast himself down, and his tears were unloosed at last, and he was healed of his madness. And we're given a name for what he was enduring here. It was a state of madness. He was not himself. And it's the waters here, this moment, this beautiful moment. You could even liken it to something like a baptism, although that might be too strong. But this idea of holy water, a godlike being overseeing this, somebody else bringing him to it, and then he casts himself down. That's the line we're given. The image I have in my mind is that he actually falls into the water. But we're not told that. We just know that he drank from it, cast himself down, which I think is Tolkien language for fell into the water. And then all of a sudden his emotions were, were loosed. His tears could flow. And he began to heal. And then directly after this, we have another example of a moment that explains the healing process. Or if you, if you want to take a kind of religious perspective on this, you have a baptism and then you have song, praise. But the praise here is about his friend. There he made a song for Beleg and he named it Ler Ku Beleg the song of the great bow, singing it aloud, heedless of peril. And Gwyndor gave the sword Anglicel into his hands, and Turin knew that it was heavy and strong and had great power. You can see here in this moment that he must have truly been healed because Gwyndor gives him back the blade he used to kill Belig, And he's okay with that. He's able to move on. He understands that it wasn't the weapon's fault. Although it kind of feels like maybe it was. It wasn't the weapon's fault. Although the weapon does seem to have a personality. We'll get to that a little bit more in a little bit. But he's healing, right? He's healing from the water. He's singing a song, heedless of the peril. He's singing it loud. He's, he's dealing with his emotions. And then the sword is put in his hand and we're told, but its blade was black and dull and its edges blunt. And I don't know, like this is another one of those literary things. You could say that's an analogy for Turin himself, black with, with sadness and, or madness even, and dull and blunt but maybe potentially ready to be cleaned up, <laughs> healed, remade. And then they talk about the blade. Gwyndor says, this is a strange blade. And unlike any that I have seen in Middle Earth, it mourns for Belig, even as you do. Interesting, right? But be comforted, for I return to Nargothrond of the house of Finarfin, and you shall come with me and be healed and renewed. 
parallels. There's parallels there. So at this moment, Turin is now awake and responding to the world around him and has spent potentially months here traveling in the wilderness with Gwyndor. And yet they've never spoken. He's never even really responded to him in any way. And so we get this dialogue. Who are you? said Turin. A wandering elf, a thrall, escaped, whom Belig met and comforted, said Gwyndor. Yet once I was Gwyndor, son of Gulin, a lord of Nargothrond, until I went to the Narniath Arnoidiad and was enslaved in Angband. Then have you seen Hurin, son of Galdor, the warrior of Dor Loman? said Turin. Immediately, he's like, oh, you've been there. Have you seen my father? I have not seen him, said Gwyndor. Remember, Gwyndor would have been kept underground and deep in the earth, mining, working, being imprisoned. But rumor of him runs through Angband that he still defies Morgoth, and Morgoth has laid a curse upon him and all his kin. That I do believe said Turin. That one little statement there, that I do believe, says so much. It could refer to the curse, this idea that there is a curse on him, because by this point, Turin feels cursed. There are a lot of things that have happened that he doesn't fully feel are really his fault. Sure, he wielded the blade. Sure, he's done some terrible things, but most of it accidentally not with intent, but also that I do believe that Hurin, my father, is still defying Morgoth. Both of those things can be summed up in that statement. And so Turin and Gwyndor continue traveling to Nargothron. They leave Ithel Ivrin and journey south. They follow the river. And this is the Narog. Nargothrond is on the Narog River. And then eventually, they're taken as prisoners by the scouts of the elves as they get close to Nargothrond, which makes sense. This is the way this works, right? These hidden locations have elves hidden in the trees and the hills, and they're watching for anybody that's coming. And so before they notice them, they are captured and brought to Nargothrond. And you would expect at this moment that the people of Nargothrond would recognize somebody like Gwyndor. Obviously, they would know who he is and should recognize him. But at first, they didn't recognize him. We're told here, at first, his own people did not know Gwyndor. He went out young and strong and returned now, seeming as one that aged among mortal men. He looked old which is weird for elves unless there's a situation that causes it and we're told the cause because of his torments and his labors he was driven so harshly in angband that it aged him the way mortal men appear to age over time but somebody recognized him Finduless, daughter of Orodrith, the king, knew him 
and welcomed him. I get this moment of her like looking in his eyes and being like, this is Gwyndor. Like recognizing, it would be like the movie moment, right? For she had loved him before the Narniath, and so greatly did Gwyndor love her beauty that he named her Felivrin, which is the gleam of the sun on the pools of Ivrin. That's, uh, we just heard about Ivrin, right? Ulmo, the effects of the gods, still in the land and the water. And now we're told about this beautiful elf who looks like the sun reflecting in that water. And because they now recognized Gwyndor, they were okay with Turin being here in Nargothrond. Another rare event of a human man being welcomed into a hidden city of the elves. It says here, for Gwyndor's sake, Turin was admitted with him into Nargothrond, and he dwelt there in honor. But when Gwyndor would tell his name, Turin checked him. Oh yes, we get yet another name for Turin, so get ready for this. He says, I am Agarwain, the son of Umarth, which is the bloodstained son of ill fate. This sounds like a metal band. I love it. <laughs> a, a hunter in the woods. And the elves of Nargothron questioned him no more. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.